Happy Sunday. Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Are you looking for rest? Are you facing a present challenge? Are you wrestling with worry? Soul problems have a solution, but they require the right order of operations. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks, Happy, Healthy, Holy. In this message, my body is telling me yes. To discover collection resources, visit vuchurch.com slash happy. Now let's lean into the message together. All right, if you got a Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is where I want you to turn. I have got a message on my hands. If my, if my legs hold me up, we'll get through it. If not, I might call for a stool in a moment. But uh, believing the Lord's going to speak to us in a powerful way. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. This is what the scripture says. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. This is a church that's got all sorts of problems in it. And uh, here he is beginning to give some very practical teaching, but also some really great theology. He says this. He says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in the body? For it is said the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee run from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And uh, like people clapping, that's a heavy scripture, y'all clap. <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna be clapping tonight at 6 p.m., but, but, but these are the real Christians here. Uh, I wanna preach uh, part four of our collection. I wanna I want preach from the subject, my body is telling me yes. My body is telling me yes. Uh, we have been on a bit of a journey. If you're new today, we're, we're glad that you're here, but we are in part four uh, of a collection of talks. It's sort of our tradition as a church that we kind of study something together. And our collection has been entitled Happy, Healthy, Holy. Uh, really a phrase and a theme that we are starting the year with, that we want to be happier, healthier, and holier. And, and the little phrase that is on the back end is that we have to lose the world in order to gain our soul. And in so many ways, we have been discussing the last three weeks in a row, this idea of soul care. Uh, the problem is, is that many of us in this room, in fact, almost everyone you talk to knows the word soul, but ask a hundred different people about the soul and you're probably gonna get a hundred different answers. And the challenge becomes, if you don't understand something, how on earth can you begin to care for it? This, by the way, is the problem with some of the men in this house when it comes to your wife. Hard for you to care for her if you don't understand her. Some of y'all having a hard time stewarding that relationship because you don't understand that woman. And the reality is some of us, even in the room today, like if we're really gonna be honest, we're not even trying to understand that person. I, I wanna bring you back to the idea of falling in love. The idea of falling in love, if you're gonna be honest, is that you're getting to know someone. And as you grow older with someone, that person is constantly and continually changing. The learning leads to the loving. Watch this. A relationship begins to disconnect the moment that we stop trying to get to know one another. When, when it comes to Don Cherie, she don't want to be cared for the way that I want to be cared for. Your boy is simple. If she will come and kiss me and tell me that I'm the greatest man she ever met, I'm going to dominate that week. As, as simple. 
Kiss me, touch me, tell me how much you love me. I'll do whatever you want. Don Cherie is not that simple. She's far more complicated. She needs me to spend time with her. She needs me to work on projects with her. She needs both of my ears and not my mouth. She just wants to know that I'm, I'm listening to her. But because I understand my wife, I know how to care for her, how to love her, how to manage her, how to steward her. And so it is with your soul. The soul can become so complicated that many of us, we don't know how to care for our soul because we don't understand our soul. And I wrote it down this way, this way. If you don't understand why something is working when it's working, you won't know how to fix it when it breaks. And so many of us today, we have soul pains and soul problems, but we don't know how it works. We don't know what influences it. We don't know what shapes it. We do not know when it's going good, why it's going good. And so when things get off, we don't have all the tools how to fix it. And the reality of it is today is that we need to get some understanding around the soul. And so what we've been doing, I'm just bringing it up to speed, is the last few weeks we've been looking at Dallas Willard. He's a Christian philosopher who's now gone to be with Jesus. He has a diagram of the soul. And as he diagrams the soul, what it does for you and I is it starts to give us different language aspects, compartments that we can begin to discuss. And so Dallas would say that your soul starts at the center of you, which is your heart. And your heart is made up of your desires, your will, and your spirit. But from your heart, it moves to your mind. And your mind makes up your emotions. It makes up your thoughts. And then from your mind, it goes to your body, which is what we're talking about today. It's your appetites and, and your habits. And then next week, we're going to talk about that fourth ring, which is really our social context, the family of origin, the family of choice. All of these layers, listen to this, are influencing, shaping, and forming your soul. See, spiritual formation is this concept that I am being formed into the image of Christ. What is the shape of your soul? Your soul is either shaped and being formed like Christ or it's not. And so we're working at shaping our soul into the image of Jesus. Uh, my sons, uh, Wyatt and Wilde, they started doing jujitsu. And uh, it's the best thing ever because they put these like, you know, karate geese on and Wilde, his is too big for him, you know, the belt hangs down to the ground and... They, they love going to jujitsu. And I was thinking the day, I was like, I wish I would have done uh, jujitsu because uh, when I was growing up, I did a form of karate. It's called Kempo, which was much more like all about your hands. What's cool about jujitsu, as I'm learning, is that jujitsu is all about body awareness. It's all about leveraging your weight against your opponent's weight. It requires you to use your body. See, when you start talking about spiritual formation, this is what I've learned. I've learned that the body is the most underestimated aspect of people becoming like Christ because they do not understand that their body is a part of their spiritual formation. But when you start talking about spiritual formation, I think it's like jujitsu in many ways. Because what I've noticed is, is that when you go to jujitsu class, how many of y'all know, you can't just go read about jujitsu and then teach jujitsu. That's not how it works. Like, his instructors aren't behind a desk lecturing about jujitsu. No, they're on the mat doing it with the people they're teaching. Why is that? It's because when we start about, talking about spiritual formation, spiritual formation is not philosophy, it's karate. It requires movement, it requires action, it requires you to do something. These messages, although they might be appealing to your brain and they might be giving you new revelation, every one of them require you to walk out and do something if your soul is going to take on a new shape and a new form. It's not philosophy, it's karate. And what I've learned is this, is that what you do with your body is either helping your soul or hindering it. What you do with your body is either helping your soul or hindering it. So we've talked about our heart. We've talked about our mind. Today, 
We're talking about our body and its role in our spiritual formation of becoming like Christ. Uh, my first thought today is this, is that I want you to see, is that number one is that evil thrives on confusion. This is an important truth that you have to, you have to get deep down into your heart. Evil thrives on confusion. It was Jesus who said about Satan that Satan is the father of lies. It's his native tongue. Anything that comes out of the serpent's mouth, you can rest assured it's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. Whatever he speaks, he speaks in lies. And lies, what they do is they enslave us from walking into the freedom that Jesus has given us. And so the enemy, his greatest tactic, we talked about, all, about this last week, his greatest tactic is just to lie to you. It's just to, it's to put lies in your brain and for you to believe what he's saying. He just doesn't want you to have the truth. Why? It was Jesus who said, you shall know the truth and the truth will what? It will what? The truth sets you free. So what the enemy wants to do is he wants to leave you in a place of confusion because it's in confusion that evil thrives, that we are corrupted to our core. Um, anyone out there ever have a hard time uh, making a decision? Ever, ever, have like, ever have like a big decision that you wanna make, but you're in a place where you, where you, you couldn't make it? You're, what, what's the right decision? I just, I've learned in life that indecision is a form of confusion. Like at some point, you have to decide. Why? Because watch this. Any area of confusion, what does it do? It breeds insecurity. But clarity brings confidence. There's a lot of people today that are living insecure, and it's because they're confused. They don't know what the truth is. And the confusion is bringing about insecurity. And so sometimes in life, we can come to places where you have to make a big decision. And you ever been there before where it's like, you have to make a big decision and finally you get clarity. And as soon as you get clarity, you're able to make a choice. And as soon as you make a choice, you have confidence. I remember when I was getting ready to get married, I, I got cold feet. I was so nervous, man. I was like, dude, this is forever. This is forever. This is forever. There's some fellas that know what I'm talking about. This is forever. But you can only live in that indecision for so long. At some point, you make a decision. And as you make a decision, confidence comes about. Why? Because there's actually an order to it. If I want confidence, I need clarity. Look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. This is so beautiful. For God is not a God of disorder, but of, but of, so God is not into disorder. God is a God of order. He has things set in motion. He has a plan. And when you follow his order, you get his peace. When you follow the order of God, you, you get his peace. Just look at God. Every aspect of God, you will see that he's organized, that there's order to it. Think about the creation account. The scripture says in Genesis that there's seed, time, and then harvest. A lot of people want harvest. They don't understand uh, you have to have seed. And then there's this big word, time, time. We all want harvest. I got some seed. Yeah, you forgot time. There's an order to it. Think about the Trinity. One God, three persons, coexisting, co-eternal. There's an order, Father, Son, Spirit. The Father creates. The Son gives us a pathway to live under his redemption. Then the Spirit of God comes and he resides in us and he brings us peace from on high. This is a God of order. If you're ever gonna understand God, you have to know he's all about order. There is a divine order. You've gotta follow his order. I mean, from the get-go, from Genesis to Revelation, God shows himself to be consistent. One message, he has a redemption plan and he did everything. He sent judges, he sent messengers, he sent prophets. At the end of the day, he sent his only begotten son, not with a message to condemn. Come on, somebody. He came to save because he's a consistent God. He's a God of order. He's a God of order. Look at your body. Your body 
profound. Your body is a miracle. All of the different areas of who you are. Think about our planet. Think about the laws of gravity, all of the different things that even help us live on this one planet that we can survive every day. It's all happening under his rule and his reign because he's a God of order. I got to put that in your heart. He's a God of order. What does the enemy do? The enemy slides in, slides into your DMs. And the enemy just does the same thing over just tries to confuse you about the order of God. So the body, watch this, your body, everyone desires pleasure. But just because something's pleasurable doesn't mean it's beneficial. Now we're in 1 Corinthians 6. So my body is craving pleasure. My body wants more. My body will eat my way to death. My body will sleep with anyone to my death. My body will take in substances and I will create habits and addictions. And all the while, the enemy's tactic is to come in and lie to you. Oh, you should do what you feel. If your body wants it, you ought to get it. Yo, it's your body, it's your choice. All of these phrases you're allowed to believe him. God gives you a free will. He's a beautiful, wonderful God. He's not forcing nothing on you. It's my job to get up here with a microphone, try to smile, and let you know that those are lies from the pit of hell. And if you adopt that type of thinking, it will destroy you from the inside out because evil thrives in confusion. What's the truth here? What's really going on? It's my body, I'm not hurting anybody, but you don't recognize the role your body is playing in forming your soul, shaping your soul. Listen to me, sin can bring you pleasure, but it cannot bring you peace. I felt like that was worth the whole sermon. I felt like the Lord whispered that to me on Tuesday, and I have been waiting to shout that at some people since Tuesday, because we could all go home right now if you could start to believe that. It'll bring you pleasure for a moment, but it will not give you the peace you're looking for. That's not condemnation, that is good counsel. What is the price of your peace? What are you willing to give up your peace for? I'm not one of these preachers that's like, yo, I can't believe the world's sinning. Yo, if I didn't know Jesus, I would be sinning. Because it feels good and it tastes good and it looks good and it is pleasurable, the scripture says, for a season, for an hour, for a moment, but it cannot bring the satisfaction. It cannot bring the fulfillment. It cannot bring peace to my soul. And with it, we are left with soul problems. What's a soul problem? Anxiety. What's a soul problem? Depression. What's a soul problem? Worry. What's a soul problem? Constant chronic fear. What's a soul problem? Addiction. And listen, there is a solution and an answer to your soul problem. But you have to get the order right. Um, Anyone remember seventh grade math? Anyone, does anyone remember this? I told this to my wife yesterday. She's like, I don't remember that. I was like, well, maybe you weren't a good student. Um, anybody remember PEMDAS? Remember this, remember PEMDAS? Oh, look at this. Look at all the, look at all the. I, I promise you they will not cheer at 6 p.m. They're like, what is this dude talking about? Um, <laughs> PEMDAS is what you learn. I think it's seventh grade math, like the order of operation. Anyone, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? Why are they cheering? Um, that when you had a long equation of some sort, the only way you could solve it is if you followed the order of operation. I gotta start with the parentheses, and then gotta move to the exponents, and then I gotta talk about multiplication, and then I hate this word, division, and then all the things about addition, and then snap, subtraction. 
There is an answer, there is a solution, but you have to follow the order of operation. Watch this, the life that stands away from God, this is the order of dominance, body first. Whatever my body wants, I'm gonna feed my body, I'm gonna give my body what it needs, what it deserves, what it feels. That's, that's it. And then for my body, it goes to my mind, and then it goes to my, my spirit, and then it goes to my soul, and then God's at the very end. But one who has been radically redeemed by Christ, there's a completely different order. It starts with God. It starts with his truth that I am reinforcing my beliefs as we've learned last week. What does God say? Because God brings clarity. And when I get clear about this, I'm gonna be confident about this. And so I start with God. It then moves to my soul and then jumps into my heart. It moves into my mind. And then the last area is my body will then follow through with what my heart has decided. There, there's, there's an order of operation. There is a solution, but you have to follow the order. PEMDAS, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Or peace establishes my disciplined, alive soul. That when I start to discipline my body, when I take control of my body, when I wake up and say, you know what, I don't feel like running today, but my God in heaven, I gotta run. I made a decision three months ago, and although my body doesn't feel like it, my body's not in charge. My body doesn't get to tell my heart and my mind what I've already decided to do. My body is the last thing I'm trying to please. And when I discipline this soul that's alive, peace emerges, peace emerges. It was Tolstoy who said it this way. He says, there are two gods. There is the God that people generally believe in, a God who has to serve them. This God does not exist. But the God whom people forget, the God who we all have to serve. Evil thrives in confusion. And today, I want you to be confident that there are solutions to your soul problems, but you have to discipline this body. This body is not in charge. No, number two, I want you to write this down, looking at 1 Corinthians 6 here, is that your body is a temple. This is a simple teaching today. Your body is a temple. I, I think people don't realize this, but that's what the scripture says. So if I'm gonna start with that being the truth, if I'm gonna reinforce my belief, I have to start looking at this body, which is decaying and which is dying, but I have to go, all right, this is the place of residence for God. This is where his spirit dwells. I'm not proud of it, but my wife and I, when we uh, had Wyatt, uh, or I should say when Wild came, our second son, we, we had to make that awful decision that I, I wish I never had to make, which is we had to uh, purchase a minivan. And um, <laughs> never saw that in my future, was never, was never on my reference board, never was part of my dream, but um, you do what you gotta do. And um, it's hard out here in these streets being a dad. And um, got the Honda Odyssey. I wanted to put black rims on it, but Andrew said no. And I tried to tin out the windows, but it was too much money. And so it's just whatever, it's cool. But um, my Honda Odyssey, if I'm gonna be honest with you, on a regular basis, looks like a crime scene. You, you ever had to like, give someone a ride that you weren't prepared for. Your boss ever like, hey, give me a ride home. You're like, ah, oh, give me 20 minutes. We got Cheetos in the seats. We got, we have an entire wardrobe of all three kids just everywhere. I'm not proud of this. I don't believe it's a good representation of the Wilkerson home, but it's reality. If tomorrow, or I should say, if this morning they called and said, hey, Rich, the president would love to come to VU, but he wants you to pick him up. Let me tell you something. I am not taking the Honda Odyssey to grab him. But I wonder how many of us in this room are carrying the Holy Spirit in a ride that is far worse than my minivan. 
body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is just, this is so for our church today. This is, this is just for our local congregation, 21 days of prayer and fasting. What are you doing with your body? Are you taking care of this body? Are you giving this body the sleep that it needs? What are you, what are you putting into this body? What, what's controlling you? What's taking precedence in your life? How's your diet? Who are you joining this body to? Because this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oscar Wilde, not a believer to my knowledge, but doesn't mean he can't give you some truth. He said this way. He said, by age 40, everyone has the face they deserve. Your boy's 38. I'm like. No Botox. What's he saying? He's saying the way that you live comes back. Listen, this, this is Eugene Peterson, because we read 1 Corinthians 6, which is kind of a jarring text. It's intense, especially in 2020, are we in 2023? 2023 in Miami. But maybe this will even be a little bit more digestible, the way that Eugene Peterson writes it. Let's look at it again. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 in the message. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'd be a slave to my whims. You know the old saying, first you eat to live, and then you live to eat. Well, it may be true that the body is only a temporary thing, but that's no excuse for stuffing your body with food or indulging it with sex. Since the master honors you with a body, honor him with your body. God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. He'll treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment. I think just so we understand a biblical precedence, because the world loves to talk about consensual sex, which all sex should be consensual. But that's, that's a low view even right there, because we're not after consensual sex only, we're after committed sex. Can you, imagine the, yeah. Can you imagine the world that we're living in right now where there has to be a discussion if it was consensual or not? What happened to committed sex? Sex is a beautiful gift, but it's got to be done in the confines and the parameter and the order of God. Look at this. He says, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense he nails this. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God, given, were made for God given and God modeled love for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Come on, somebody, even at the city right now, can you guys put your hands together? That's the word of God. That's the word of God. You know, most of us in this room, most of us watching online, we're going to drive multiple cars in our lifetime. But just think about that that with those cars, we're gonna probably have those cars serviced, tune-ups, oil changes. You only get one body. You only get one brain. How are you caring for it? Are you honoring God with it? See, all of these things, food, sex, substances, all of these things are actually gifts from God. 
and they're actually for pleasure and even a deep joy when they are done in God's way. But as soon as we take them out of context, as soon as we move the parameters, as soon as we remove the boundaries, these things begin to enslave us and develop habitual addictions. See, to the believer, sex, food, these things are supposed to come into our life in moderation with temperance, and then it's supposed to roll up into praise and glory of God. I, I've, been, I've been off bread for 21 days. I'm telling you, I'm going to eat some bread tonight, and as I eat bread, this time I'm going to worship God in a little bit of a different way, because for the last 21 days, it has not been in my body. And now all of a sudden this good gift doesn't terminate in me in the moment, but it rolls up into an everlasting praise of saying, God, you're the God of bread. Thank you, God, for giving me bread. But when these things are not done unto the Lord, they terminate in and of themselves. They enslave us, they become addictions, they become habits. You know, we live in a time right now, even in the church of Jesus Christ, where Christians can get so specific in a sense of saying, oh, um, that type of promiscuity, that's the biggest problem in the world. And they will try to narrow into one type of appetite. L let me just tell you, I don't actually think that the specific problem is heterosexuality, homosexuality, bisexuality, transsexuality, whatever else you can come up with. The problem we have in our world today is hypersexuality. It's that we are out of control. We're not honoring God. It's taking over our lives. We can't sell a can of soda without somebody using their body to get you to say, I ought to drink that soda. It's hypersexuality, and we don't even see it, but it's beginning to enslave us. 21 days of prayer and fasting is about denying my body, denying, hey flesh, you're not in charge. Gave up sugar for 21 days, why? Because I don't want the Holy Spirit getting cavities on my watch. I don't need the Holy Spirit getting diabetes on my watch. I like sugar, but sugar is not in charge of me. And every once in a while, I gotta remind my body of it. Come on somebody, make a little bit of noise. Because it's producing, it's producing, it's producing freedom. I'm not a slave to those things. But we have to realize today that our, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I wonder, if your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, have you adopted God's values or are you asking God to adopt your values? I'm gonna have some people over my house tonight. We're gonna have a good time, we're gonna celebrate. But everybody who walks into my house, they can have different beliefs, they can have different thought patterns. They, they, they can believe whatever they want to believe. But when they walk into my house, there's a culture and a value system that they have to adhere to. And I wonder how rude would it be for someone to walk into my house and say, these are the new values. These are the new rules. No, no, bro, this is my house. And God's saying, your body is not your own. You were bought at a price. And if you're going to follow me and you want me to live there, you must come under my rules, my values. Evil thrives in confusion. Your body is the temple and here we go. Number three, this is it. Win the day and they will add up. Win the day and they will add up. See, at some point we have to discipline this body. That word discipline is, uh, well, you know that word. That's what us parents have to do to our children in order to get them to do the right thing, the healthy thing. My kids are not in charge. They, they've been disciplined. They have to listen to their father. And that's what my flesh needs. My flesh needs to be disciplined. Why is that? This is so important. It's because my heart can be surrendered over to God, but my body doesn't always get the memo. Think about like a CEO. A CEO gives the direction and the culture of an organization. But anybody in here who's a part of a big organization knows that the CEO can do this thing and point in the right direction. That does not mean that that direction is going to be lived out perfectly down the line. 
I've had to learn this in our own church, that as our church has grown, it started in my apartment. Back in the day, it was just 12 of us just doing stuff and I could manage it and I could inspect it. But as it grows, I have the privilege and the responsibility of setting the course, setting the direction. But just because I set the course and direction does not mean that every crew is going to live out those values, does not mean that every team leader is gonna say it the way that we asked to say it. So what does that mean? That means we have to constantly remind and train. We have to reinforce what it is that we believe. You see, your heart is your desires, it's your will. And I believe many of you in this room, your heart has been redeemed and it's been turned towards Christ and you're headed towards heaven and you're gonna spend forever with him. But just because your heart is pointed in his direction doesn't mean that your body always gets the memo. And it's challenging because habits will eat willpower for breakfast. That you could have the strong will, but your will will not be enough daily to master your flesh. So what do I have to do, Rich? I have to discipline my body by adopting new spiritual practices and new habits that my flesh might walk out what my heart so desires. Of course, we do all of this under the banner of grace, the empowerment of God that when I'm weak, he's actually strong. I'm so thankful for God's grace. Anybody in this house grateful that we serve a God who's not mad at you, he's madly in love with you? That yo, when you fall down, he picks you back up. When you fail, he says, try again. He doesn't come and condemn you in your mistakes and in your sin. Instead, he encourages you. Today I was running that race and really the heroes of that marathon I was thinking as I was running aren't just the people who are running it, but man, there was thousands of people out there on the sidelines cheering people on. And I don't know, but like, there was a couple moments where we're like in these neighborhoods and no one's there. I'm like, oh dude, I don't know if I can do it. But as soon as I step out and there's a crowd of people going, let's go, I start running with some swagger, bro. I'm like, yeah, 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 I got this. Because when the spotlight gets on you and the cheers from the crowd are supporting you, it infuses you to go further. You know what church is? Church every Sunday is you and I coming in. We are running our race of faith, but as we get around one another, we're spurring each other on, we're cheering each other on, saying, keep running. You might have slowed down, you might have stopped, you might have made a mistake, but your body's not in charge. Run your race of faith, man of God. Get back up. His grace is beautiful. His grace is empowering. But listen to me. Just because grace is active doesn't mean we are passive. You got to get this into your heart today. His grace is active in your life, but you cannot live passive with it. I love it this way. Grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. I love my wife. She loves me. And it's because I love her so much, I'm like, hey girl, so remind me again, you don't, like, physical touch and kissing isn't just gonna make this right right now, right? No, I'm different from you, Rich. All right, I gotta put forth some effort. I gotta put forth, I gotta put forth some effort. And this effort that I'm talking about, let's just be honest, with you, it's from, not for, right? I'm not putting forth effort to win God's favor. I got God's favor. This sacrifice that I wanna make of disciplining this body is because he's already made the greatest sacrifice. Either you believe that or you don't. So I gotta get my intentions right because intention is everything when it comes to spiritual practices. But grace, it's active. It doesn't mean that I can be passive. I talked to a young man not too long ago and he came to me, he's like, yo, Pastor Rich. He's like, man, would you pray for me? I was like, yeah, let's pray, bro. He's like, yeah, I'm just going through like, I uh, just, oh man, lust is taking over me, bro. I just can't, you know, I'm just, I'm really, really struggling. And, and he told me he had a girlfriend. I said, well, are you, are you, have you been cheating on your girlfriend? He said, no, bro, no, no, no. In fact, he goes, it's going great. She's moving in next week. I said, oh man. Okay, let's just talk about the order of this. You want me to pray about your lust addiction, but you want your girlfriend to move in. I just, you're allowed to do whatever you want but this is like me praying that you don't get in an accident, but you refuse to put on a seatbelt. Don't make no sense. Just, just trust in God that I'll never have a crash. Totally, man, let's, let's, let's agree. Put your seatbelt on. No, no, God's got me. That's crazy. 
That's insane. God is sovereign, but man still has responsibility. So I'm not condemning you, I'm not against you. I'm just going, I don't really know what we're praying for, bro, because like God's kind of told us what we need to do here. <laughs> kind of says there's an order. You kind of like, you know, before you have sex, you should get married. That's not my idea, it's God's idea. Kind of like should be married before you start having kids. That's not like my idea, it's like God, it's just an order. It's like, it's PEMDAS, PEMDAS. Peace, peace establishes my disciplined, alive soul. PEMDAS, why do I not have any peace? Why am I up here asking for prayer about a sexual addiction? Maybe because you've not followed the order. Why do you feel insecure? Maybe because you're not following the order. And so you say, Rich, what does this mean? It means for all of us that we have to consider deeply, what are the habits of your life? It took us four weeks to finally get to, hopefully, places still full, people still here. And so I know week one of January, we're like, yeah, New Year's resolutions. Hopefully you're still at the gym. If you're not, I'm still for you. Hopefully you're still looking at your vision board every day and your word is, is pushing you, but maybe, maybe you've already fallen off. That's okay, get back, get back on board. You have to develop habits. How do habits develop? You have to take 21 days at least. You have to create a new pattern. That's what prayer and fasting is about. It's, it's about creating a new pattern in my life so that when I'm not even thinking, the actions of my flesh already start to follow suit. Well, what are some habits I should have? I, I can just, I can give you, I, I don't know, daily scripture reading? Some of you today are like, whoa, like, I'm hearing the truth, but you're gonna walk out, like, in 30 minutes, you're gonna forget most of this talk. It's okay. I don't take, I take my calling serious, I don't take myself too serious. It's just, that's what research tells us. So you need, you need the word in you daily. How about scripture memorization? Some of y'all haven't memorized a scripture since Sunday school. You got two, you know? Some of you are like, the devil attacks you, like, Jesus wept. You might need more in the gun, bro, you know? <laughs> Jesus wept. It doesn't really work there, you know? How about meditation? Stilling yourself, silencing yourself. How about fasting? How about daily prayer? I'm not one of these people that says like, hey, start with two hours a day. I'm like, yo, start with 15 minutes a day. See what would happen this year if you started to train your body. I, I take 15 minutes, I, I, I turn it all off and I, I start praying. Exercise. Like, I'm not trying to get abs, I'm trying to stay anointed, yo. That's why I'm exercising. So like, this body, you're not in charge of me. Diet. It's, it's not normal, not normal to have four glasses of wine every night just so you can fall asleep. Not condemning, you just say, you need to look at that. What are the practices and the habits of your life? In um, the fall of 2016, my life changed forever. And I say that, sounds kind of dramatic, but, but it's quite serious. We had started the church and many of you were there. We were at JDD and it was like, it was, we had launched in the fall of 2015. By the fall of 2016, church had grown. We were in four services. The Molinas were there with us. It was, I think it was 10, 12, 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. This was a season that we didn't have any kids. The church started out of our apartment. We had a one bedroom loft, open air. And I'm telling you, like, I, it was at least five nights out of the week that people were in that loft till midnight. I was, I was traveling all over the country, preaching at stuff. I was just trying to keep things going. I was running and gunning. I had no margin. I was just, I was moving fast. Church was exploding. It was awesome. It, 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 was, it was beautiful. But, but the margin in my life, there wasn't any margin for me to take on something new. I was going all the way with willpower. It's funny because there's a lot of people today in the body of Christ that they don't know the difference between adrenaline and anointing. And so when their adrenaline goes, they think God left. But adrenaline is not enough to fulfill the call and the mission that God has for us. And I used to wake up on Mondays after preaching all day and just doing stuff. And it tells to a lot of people, but I would wake up every Monday morning and I would spend at least 
two hours on my bathroom floor, laying on the tile with all the lights out and the shower running. I kind of thought this was normal. I thought this was like healthy. I was like, yeah, this, I guess this is what it takes. I guess this is what it looks like for revival. No, it's that my flesh had not been disciplined and I was running out of willpower that by the time I got to Monday, I was just completely defeated and depleted. It was that November, I was in Shreveport at Don Shree's family's house and I was driving with Dakota who's there at the city and I, I accidentally flipped this Gator golf cart and it, we flipped it, it was kind of a freak accident. I was driving recklessly and man, it injured me deeply that like for the next two and a half months, I had this chronic pain in my neck and my back. It, it just never left me, it was awful. I didn't know that that breaking down was actually leading me to a breakthrough because with it, I went to physical therapy and then they said, you have to start exercising. And in January of 2017, I started going to a gym in Wynwood. I gotta be honest with you, I hated it. It was embarrassing. I would vomit. I would, I, I just, I would, I would I'd end the, 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 the program on the fetal position. People walk by like, Pastor Rich, that was a great message yesterday. I'm like, shut up, you know, like, it was awful. But I didn't know it as I just kept at it. As I just, one each day, the days started to add up. Before you know it, it became a habit. Now today, I'm proud to say, it's a lifestyle for me. And I just say it because I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how much of my calling was being confined to my body. I wonder how things would have turned out if I didn't start to get disciplined in a category of my life. I don't want your calling to be limited because your body is unhealthy. I want you to thrive and to grow. Your body is helping shape your soul in a beautiful, profound way. But you have to discipline it. You have to bring it under submission. Why? I promise this is closed. I'm Pentecostal, so I got a lot of closes. Because whatever we don't transform, we transmit. Whatever I don't transform, I... I transmit, I spread. You teach what you know, you reproduce who you are. Man of God, I'm talking to all the men a lot today. You could teach your kids a million little lessons. You can give them all your values and all your principles. They're gonna repeat who you are. Many of us today, every time our body tells us yes, we're a slave to it. It's ironic because when I was in high school, no, junior high, there was a big R&B song called I Don't See Nothing Wrong with a Little Bump and Grind. And the song began with, my mind is telling me no, but my body, my body is telling me yes. Sings good, lives bad. Because if your mind, which comes before your body, is telling you no, but your body as you walk out is telling you yes, you need to figure out how to tell your body no. Because grace gets you going, but discipline gets it done. I'm not underestimating the power of God. If God's called you to it, His grace will get you through it. It's not grace that I'm concerned about. I just wonder, can your body undisciplined get you across the line? I'll never use this platform or pulpit to talk about real people. This is not what we do. But I find it really ironic that the man who penned those words finds himself in prison today, most likely spending the rest of his life in jail for sex abuse crimes, child pornography, you name it. Because when you open a door towards perversion, which is anything that's not in the order of God, it never gets better, it only gets worse. It never lessens on itself, it only grows. I pray for him. I believe maybe he is saved, maybe he's getting saved. I don't know how God's gonna use all of it. I just look at it and when I hear Jesus say, what does it profit a man? 
to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul. Somewhere on the journey, evil began to thrive in confusion. Somewhere on the journey, he forgot that his body is a temple. And somewhere on the journey, he stopped winning the day. And now today, because he kept saying yes to his body, he's not just metaphorically in prison, he's, he's literally in captivity. If your body keeps saying yes, I, I just wanna, I wanna give you hope today. I didn't come to condemn you. We could all go on different areas of where we need to get disciplined, but I'm trying to give you a theology, something deeper, a new revelation that, wow, this is God's place of residence. Why would I do that with my body? He saved me. I believe his truth. Now confidence is beginning to emerge. I wanna follow the path of Jesus. And yes, I will fall. And yes, I will make, make mistakes, but his grace will lift me back up and I can continue to move forward. You don't have to obey your body. Your body can begin to obey you. If you believe it, somebody give God a big shout of praise. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.